Fantastic. I think it's always, um, always great to hear what God's saying, isn't it? And um, to know that God is speaking to us, to know that he is wanting to be active in our lives, wanting to encourage us in, in different ways, to remind one another, whether it be through um, prophetic words like we've had today, or whether it be through stories and testimonies of what it is that God has been doing, to remind one another um, that God is at work, that he cares for us, that he is active. You know, when we hear God speak to us and when we um, see God at work in people's lives, it helps to change our perspective, doesn't it? And to give us that hope that we've been talking about. You know, and we, we all have times when, if we're honest, we need to be encouraged and we need to be reminded of the fact that God is with us, that he loves us, that he cares for us and that His work in our lives, don't we? The reality is that um, we really love those times, don't we, when life seems like we're on top of the world and everything's great and it's brilliant and it's perfect and everything's going well. Everything's falling into place. You know, but if we're honest, there are times when life doesn't always feel like that. Um, There are times when life feels maybe more like it does for uh, Tulio and Miguel. Their plans have backfired, they've had to swim for their lives, climb into the boat, just to discover the horse has eaten their supplies. In a rowboat with no oars, and you think it can't get any worse, and the rain starts pouring, and then the camera zooms out, and little do they know, but they're surrounded by sharks. You know, imagine we've all had one of those times in life, haven't we, where it just seems like one thing after another. When, and life can be hard sometimes. You know, it can be, it's not always easy to find many positives. You know, Tulio is there, look on the bright side, let's be positive. And then the rain comes pouring down and that positivity is just washed away with it, isn't it? You know, we, we can turn on the TV and we can watch soaps of people making a mess of their lives. We can turn on the TV and watch the news and, and hear about the latest atrocities that are going on around the world or the latest corruption in business or in politics. We can meet up with our friends and we can take it in turns to vent um, about how we're feeling and how the boss who hasn't treated us well or the, the friend who's been driving us crazy or who's let us down. And we, we, we hope that simply by talking about how terrible life is, somehow focusing on all of this negativity is going to make us feel better. And the sad reality is that we live in a world that can so often seem to be filled with discouraging situations discouraging news, and discouraged people. Here are a few statistics that put things in perspective a little bit. Research was done in America. Um, It's found out that 70% of people, when asked how they felt at that moment, admitted to feeling fearful, apprehensive, and discouraged at life. They also found that as much as 77% of everything we think is negative and counterproductive and works against us. They're scary statistics, aren't they? And while it might have been done in America, I can't imagine it would be all that different if the research was done here in the UK. And that means that even if I didn't know about some of the personal situations that you guys are going through, just purely based on statistics alone, there were people here today who were feeling discouraged. All of us here today know somebody who's feeling discouraged. And even if today we feel like we're on top of the world, the reality is that at some point in life, every single one of us will face 
discouragement. And just from my own experience, I know the impact that feeling discouraged can have. You know, whether it be feeling, dis- we want to use the words of discouraged or low or depressed, you know, whatever word you want to use, the impact that it can have on your life. How it saps your confidence and your motivation and your energy. How it makes you want to withdraw from people and be on your own. How over time what you first thought really was just uh, being a little bit blue and a little bit down can actually end up destroying your ability to function and to relate to people and to enjoy life. Now, life can be hard. And there are points when every single one of us will face discouragement. And this isn't something new. It's not something which is, is just here for us in the, the, you know, Western Europe in the you know, year 2000 and whatever it is. You know, when we read about people in the Bible, we discover that actually there were times in the lives of Elijah and Jonah, and Job, where they are discouraged to the point where they feel like committing suicide. We read repeatedly about characters, whether it be from Adam to Paul to Jesus, who deal with different kinds of sorrow and grief and discouragement throughout their lives. You know, life isn't always easy. And we will all face times of discouragement, and so we'll all face times when we need help, when we need someone to come alongside us. And to lift us up when in the face of discouragement we need encouragement. In fact, even when things are going well, we all could use a bit of encouragement, couldn't we? You know, we're we're continuing our series today, Inspiring Influence. And one of the greatest ways that you have the potential to be an inspiring influence in someone's life is very simply through encouragement. You know, encouragement can change the course of a person's day or week or month or their entire life. You know, and if you stop and think for a moment about the people in your own life who have been a positive influence to you, who have been inspiring influence to you, you will almost certainly find that they are people who have believed in you and people who have encouraged you. You know, to help um, paint a picture then of what it looks like to be an encourager, we're going to look at a man in the Bible called Joseph. You might not know who that is at first. Um, we come across him in the book of Acts, um, which tells us the story of how the church kind of began, and, he, and he's involved in that process. Then. But uh, you'll, you'll probably gather who it is pretty quickly. This is what we read about him in Acts 4, verses 36 to 37. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You know, for Joseph, being an encourager was such a huge part of who he was. It was such a huge part of his identity, and it's such a strong character trait that he had, that when people looked on him, it's what they thought of, and so it became his nickname. It became the way in which he was identified. Now, can you imagine today if, um, if we were all going to uh, vote together on what it is that we thought was your most prominent character trait? And then once we've all done that big vote, we're then going to agree that having voted on what your most prominent character trait was, that was going to become your name. How do you think you might be identified? What would your name be? Would you be so-and-so the son of generosity? 
or so-and-so, I don't know, the son of gossip? Or would you be so-and-so, the, the daughter of compassion? Or so-and-so, the daughter of vanity for your hours in the bathroom? You know, it's incredible to think that encouragement was such a strong part of who Barnabas was. It was such a strong character trait of, of who Joseph was even, that he became known as Barnabas, the son of encouragement. That when people saw him, that's what they thought of. And when you look through the book of Acts, you, what you, you discover is that time and time again, he lives up to his name. He deserves the name. Pretty much every time you ever come across Barnabas, in, in one way or another, we see encouragement. It begins in the verse that we just read. First time we've ever heard of the guy. And, and we, we read about it. And what it is that happens is Barnabas has found out that these Christians in Jerusalem are in need. That they're struggling financially. That they don't have food to eat. And so he encourages them by selling land that he owns and giving them money to the apostles so they can care for, for the people in Jerusalem. It's the first thing we ever hear about him is that he is sacrificially giving out of what he has to encourage other people for the sake of other people, showing them that they're not alone. The next time we hear about Barnabas, is at it again. He's standing with someone in need again, and he's being an encourager. Again, you'll find it in Acts uh, chapter 9. It's an incredible story as we read about this man called Saul, who has been violently opposed to Christians. He's been hunting them down. He's been arranging for their executions. And he is on his way to a town called Damascus where he plans to arrest more Christians when he encounters Jesus for himself on the way. And as a result of this encounter with Jesus, his life is completely changed. It's completely transformed. He, he realizes that actually everything that, that Jesus has ever said has been, is true and that he's alive today and he becomes a Christian himself. And when he reaches then Damascus, instead of going around arresting the Christians, he can't stop himself talking about Jesus. To the extent where he gets chased out of town by the Jews. And he returns to Jerusalem. The problem is that the Christians in Jerusalem don't know about what's happened in Damascus. They don't know what's happened to to Saul. And so he arrives there and the Christians want nothing to do with him. This is the man who is responsible for the death of people they love. This is the man who has been hunting them down and who they've been hiding from. How can they be sure it isn't a trick? They can't believe that Saul could have changed so much. They don't believe in him. And then Barnabas enters the scene, and this is what we read in Acts chapter 9, verses 27 to 28. It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You know, Barnabas goes out of his way. He seeks Saul out. This guy who all he knows about him is that he kills Christians. He seeks him out. And he listens to his story. He catches his heart. And he recognizes that Saul genuinely has come to know Jesus. And given his life to following him. And so Barnabas stands by him. He encourages him. He puts his own neck on the line 
to back him before the apostles. Barnabas didn't know the impact that that would have. He could never have imagined that his willingness to support and encourage Saul when everybody else wouldn't would lead to not only such a change in Saul's life, but such an impact on the the church globally. That he would be responsible for encouraging the man who God would use to write about half of the New Testament. You see, the early church looked at Saul and they saw a problem. Barnabas looked at him and he saw incredible potential. The early church looked at him and they saw his past. Barnabas looked at him and saw his future. The early church saw what Saul had been. Barnabas saw what he could be. That's what encouragers do. They see potential. They look to the future. They focus on what people might become, given time and encouragement and the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, encouragement has the potential to make such a difference in people's lives. And so it's important we understand what it really is. Because I think often we don't. You know, I love the, um, the verses in, in Hebrews. Now, no one really knows who writes Hebrews, but... Um, they're one of the people that people suggest is Barnabas, which is, and I think that's great because, you know, Barnabas is known for encouragement and there's some great verses on encouragement in the book of Hebrews. And, and one of them is this, it's in, in Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know what you think about when you think of encouragement. Um, growing up, I wasn't particularly good at sports. Um, I had a go. I had a bit of fun, but I wasn't particularly good. And admitting my current fitness levels, I'm probably even worse now than I was then. So if you were to find me at a football match, I would almost certainly be in the crowd. Okay? doesn't matter if it's a local match or a big match. That's where you're likely to find me. But actually, the crowd has a surprisingly important role. You know, often you, you hear the crowd described by commentators um, when they get going as the 12th man at the match. You know, their encouragement has the power to make a difference. You know, I always think it's incredible how teams, when um, they perform differently at home to away, you'd think you'd put the same set of players against each other. It wouldn't matter which stadium they were in. But it changes everything. It's incredible the way that teams nearly always have a better home record than they do an away record when it comes to to matches. Because when they're at home, they have a group of fans who are cheering them on, a group of fans who are supporting them and encouraging them, who are willing them to do the best that they can. And it makes a difference. Players seem to perform better. And I imagine the first thing that you think about when encouragement comes to mind is the idea of a cheering crowd. People cheering you on. You think about words that have been said, um, or what it is that you might be able to say to someone. 
Now, just um, yesterday, I don't know who went over to, to Eden for the Creation Fest event. Uh, imagine, anyone go over to Eden for Creation Fest? A few people, a few hands. Rosie went over, I wasn't able to make it, but Rosie went over and she came home and she, she told me about a couple of people who were helping at the event. Um, one of them was a steward and the other one was um, one of the presenters um, that was there on the stage. And, and just as she was passing uh, one of the stewards, uh, she encouraged her and said what a good job she was doing. And, and she told me about how her, her face went from looking like she'd been working hard all day and it was the end of the day and she was tired to suddenly a big smile and she looked alive and energized and there was a difference in her. And then when she, she said something very similar to, to the presenter, the, the response that she got was, thank you, I really needed to hear that. You know, our words are important and they have power. We can cheer one another on. You know, our words have power to, to heal and to encourage, but also to wound. They have power to cause life, but also to cause death. You know, I started by talking about how the reality is statistically that some of you here will feel discouraged today. And maybe it is you've been feeling discouraged for a long time. And it might be that you're feeling discouraged because of what it is that's been said to you. Maybe what was said to you when you were younger and has stuck with you ever since that you were never going to amount to anything, that you were the ugly one or the untalented one or the one who's not as good as the other one. You know, and some of us don't even know that we're doing it, but we wake up every morning and we jump onto a treadmill of trying to prove those statements wrong. And our whole life is one exhausting battle of trying to prove those statements wrong. To say, no, I am worth it, I am valuable. You know, discouraging words are dangerous and powerful. You know, and in the same way when we have people around us who are cheering us on, who are telling us that we can do it, who are encouraging us and building us up and willing us to succeed, it has a powerful impact on us. The thing is that I think when we think of encouragement, it can be easy to limit it to just that. To simply being a cheering crowd. To simply being like our own, um, someone's own personal cheerleaders. Telling them how great they are. That's good, it's encouraging. But you know what, I think that that, the, 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 the kind of encouragement that, that Barnabas lived out. And the kind of encouragement that we, we read about in the book of Hebrews. Is so much more than that. You know, when we look at Barnabas' example. We see that encouraging someone is so much more than simply telling them they've done a good job. Or that they're looking pretty. Encouraging someone is so much more than simply telling them what they want to hear. You know, imagine for a minute that um, you're on your way home. And you see someone on the other side of the street. And they're loaded down with, with bags from Asda. They've done the shopping for, I don't know, four people. And they're trying to carry all of the bags on their own up the hill, um, up Slade's Road. And, uh, you know, they've already been going a bit of a distance. And they, they, you can see their head is drooping. Their shoulders are slumped. Their knees are wobbling. Every step is a stagger. Every step is a struggle and a battle. You know, if encouraging someone is simply being their cheerleader, then what do you do? You stand happily on the other side of the street and you, you look at them and you shout out, you can do it! Come on! Keep going! One step at a time! 
Do you think they're encouraged? You know, and if, if Barnabas thought that being an encourager was simply being a cheerleader, you know, when Saul turned up and the apostles would have nothing to do with him, his response would have been just, keep going, Saul, it's okay. Live it out in front of them. Eventually they'll see it and things will change. But what we see with Barnabas is that encouraging someone means going out of our way to come alongside them, to help them to achieve all that they can be. You know, for Barnabas, that meant going up to the apostles and standing up for Saul. It meant going out of his way to speak to Saul in the first place and taking that risk on as to how Saul would respond and then standing up for him in front of the apostles. For the person struggling with a shopping, it means coming alongside them and taking some of the weight of the bags and putting your arm around them and telling them, we can make it together. We can do it together. I'll help you on the way. That's the kind of encouragement that doesn't just make someone feel better for a moment, but is an inspiring influence that can impact their entire life. You know, I love the statement that we, uh, we read in Hebrews that says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. That is, consider how we may encourage one another toward love and good deeds. You know, what we see in this statement, and, and again through Barnabas' treatment of Saul, is that encouragement that is an inspiring influence is about seeing beyond where a person is now to the potential of all that they could be in the future. To the potential of all that they could be in God. And then helping them to take steps of faith along the way to get there. You know, it's about spurring one another on. That's not saying to everybody, you're doing a great job, just as you are. You look fantastic. Everything's great. You're brilliant. That doesn't spur anybody on, does it? Spurring one another on to be all that they could be, pushing one another forwards towards love and good deeds. That's how we measure encouragement. It's not a fuzzy feeling inside. Real encouragement is going on when you see people growing in love and good deeds. When we see people being transformed to become the men and women that God has made them to be. So how do we encourage people in that kind of way? Because that's not so easy, is it? It's easy to go around and just say to people, you're doing a good job. And that is encouraging. Do it. If people love it, it will be great. You'll see smiles on faces. You'll see people be blessed from it. Do it. But encouragement like this is so much more than that, and it's not so easy. So how do we do that? How do we encourage people in a way that not only blesses one another, but calls one another up so that we don't miss out on what it is that God has for us and wants to do through us? I think there's a whole bunch of different ways, and I think it's probably as different as we are different. Probably have a different way for every single one of us here because all of us are different and need different ways of encouragement and will give different ways of encouragement. But I, I think there's one principle and there's one practical thing that I want to share, which I think is probably always going to be a good idea, no matter who you are and no matter who it is that you're you're dealing with. You know, I love the way it says in in Hebrews that um, we need to consider how to spur one another on. 
Uh, I don't know if you pick up on that word, but you know, we need to think about in advance how we're going to do it. It's not something that will just happen by accident as we go about life. To really spur one another on to be all that we can be need, requires us to be intentional and proactive about it. So, I'll share with you a principle first of all, and the principle is a really simple one. If you want to be an encourager, ask yourself, when I walk into a room, is my attitude, here I am, or is it, there you are? When I walk into a room, is my attitude, here I am, or is it, there you are? And I think the starting point of any kind of encouragement is simply the attitude that we have. It's the way that we carry ourselves without us even needing to say a word. You know, if when we're with people, our heart attitude is genuinely for them, then whatever we say and whatever we do, that will shine through and they will pick up on it and they will be encouraged. And you have no idea the impact that it can have of simply knowing that someone is there for you, standing with you, who wants what's best for you. And just how encouraging that that can be. You know, when you meet up with people, are you wrapped up in your own situation, your own circumstances, your own feelings, the things that you want to say? Essentially, are you thinking, here I am? Or are you focused on the person that you are with and thinking, there you are? You know, whatever way we think of to spur one another on, to encourage one another, that needs to be the starting point. Otherwise, it's all empty. And from that starting point, encouragement can look like lots of different things. From simply being there to someone and listening to them, to giving them opportunities to step out and to grow. Now, whatever it is, it will depend on on who you are and your giftings and your opportunities and who they are and what it is that they need. But the starting point should always be the same. So the principle is this, when I walk into a room, is my attitude, here I am, or is it there you are? Um, We read a couple of verses from Hebrews 10 earlier, and it talks about let us consider, and the way in which we need to, to kind of think in advance what it is that we can do, how it is that we can encourage one another, and be proactive in advance, and take time in advance. So the one practical idea that I want to encourage you with, that I think is relevant for every single one of us and, and never really is, is going to be going to change is specifically to take a moment before you see somebody whether you're going to be going to work or seeing friends or a growth group or meeting someone one-on-one or whatever it is to take a moment before you see them and to ask yourself how can you encourage them how can you spur them on in that time that you're going to have together. And I want to encourage you, you know, as you think through this week and how you might do that, to specifically do that by asking God to speak to you. Asking God to speak to you prophetically or to remind you of a Bible verse for them. Essentially to ask God to bring something to mind for you that will encourage them. You know, for those of you who are are here for the first time or for hearing a word like prophecy is strange, you know, prophecy is very simply hearing God speak to you. 
whether that be through words or through receiving a picture. You know, when we pray, we're not only able to talk to God and express things to God, we're also able to hear from God and he's able to speak to us, which is fantastic. So even if you're here for the first time, I can still encourage you to do that. I still want to encourage you when you're going out through this week and you're going to be, know you're going to be seeing people to take a moment and to ask God just to give him space to be open to him to say, well, if you're there, speak to me. Give me something encouraging to share with the people that I'm going to see. And you might be surprised at how when you make yourself available and open, how often God speaks. Now, what we discover when we we read through the Bible is that the primary purpose of prophecy is encouragement. You know, God gives a message for somebody so that they may be built up and encouraged and spurred on to be the people that God made them to be. You know, when I I think back over the, the years at the times when I've been encouraged the most, you know, I often think of a number of occasions when somebody has shared with me something that they feel that God has spoken to them. And, and it's made all the difference. You know, it's not normally been things which have been shared from the front like they have been today, though there have been times of that. But it's most often been times where somebody has, has come and, and spoken to me one-on-one or called me up um, or it's been in a small group and they've shared with me something that they feel God has put on their heart for me to encourage me and to spur me on. And there have been words and pictures and impressions that people have shared with me that have been instrumental in helping me as I've taken steps of trying to follow Jesus. They're words which I I hold on to today so that when I am discouraged and when I'm struggling and when it feels like, you know, it can't get any worse and the rain starts pouring, these words that I can look back to and hold on to to remind myself of God's promises and to encourage myself with that have made all the difference. So I want to encourage you to give you some homework today. To ask God to speak to you this week. To take a moment before you see people. To ask God to give you something to encouraging to share with them. If that's not something that you're used to, if that's something that you're not sure how to go about, and you might be sat there thinking, well, how will I know if it's God who's spoken, or if it's just me? Then I want to share with you my very simple rule. And it really is very simple. When something comes into your mind, ask yourself, is it strengthening, encouraging, or comforting? And if it is, then just go for it. The worst thing that's going to happen is that you have just shared something strengthening, encouraging, or comforting with somebody that's from you. That's not so bad, really, is it? You've just said something nice to someone. No harm done. But the best thing that could happen, if God has been the one who is speaking... If God is the one who has has put that into your mind for you to say, then it has the potential to have a real and lasting impact on their life that could change everything. It's a no-lose situation. The only time that you need to hold back and to to be a bit more cautious is if it isn't strengthening, encouraging, or comforting. And then maybe share it with someone else that you trust and ask them to pray and to let you know what it is that they think. And if, you know, when you're going through this week and you take a moment before you knock on a door or you take a moment before you walk into a room or you take a moment um, in the car before you get out to see somebody and you ask God to speak and you don't feel like he says anything, then don't worry about it. 
Because you'd be amazed how often when you've asked him and you've made yourself available and you've given him that opportunity that just during your time with them, while you're chatting with them, he will drop something into your mind and will give you an opportunity to encourage them in that moment. So, this week I want to encourage you. When you're meeting with people, when you're spending time with people, Wherever it might be, whenever it might be, ask yourself, is my attitude here I am, or is it there you are? And then take some time, take a moment to see if God would speak to you, to make yourself open and available, to give you something encouraging to share with the people that you're going to see, something encouraging that you can do for the people that you're going to see. You know, when you look at Barnabas and the role that he played in Saul's life, I think we get a great picture of just how powerful and influential encouragement can be. You have no idea the impact that you could have on someone's life simply by encouraging them. You know, to be an encourager is something that God is calling you today to. Every single one of us, as followers of Jesus, he calls us to be encouragers. And it's a great purpose that God has for you. To be able to wake up in the morning, and even if you've no idea what else is going to happen, no idea what it is that that you're going to be doing that day, to know, I have a purpose. I have a purpose today to encourage people. That's something that God's called me to. That's what a great way to be able to wake up and to know that you've got a reason to be there. It's a way that you can be an inspiring influence to the people around you. And I think if each and every one of us takes that seriously and commits to being intentional about encouraging others and thinking and asking God in advance how we can encourage the people that we're going to see that actually has the potential to make an incredible difference and an incredible impact within the communities that we live. You know, just before I finish, you know, I said at the beginning that statistically there will be people here today who are feeling discouraged. And if that's you, then I want you to know today that in this family, you do not stand alone. As you look around this room, you see a family who stand with you and a family who want to encourage you, not just by cheering you on and telling you you can do it. We want to encourage you by helping you in the struggle to bear the weight, to lead you through. I also want you to know that not only do we stand with you as a family, not only do we want to encourage you today and to build you up today and spur you on today, but actually God stands with you. God wants to encourage you this morning. Paul writes in Romans 15 verse 5 that God gives endurance and encouragement. Isn't that great? That we have a God who wants to give us endurance and encouragement. That's what some of you need today if you're feeling discouraged and God is offering it to you. His heart is for you and this morning he wants to meet with you and he wants to encourage you and he wants to give you the strength to endure. So if you've been feeling discouraged today, maybe you've been feeling discouraged for a long time, then this morning I believe that God is wanting to meet with you. And I want to encourage you to make the most of this opportunity. We'll have some guys here who would love to pray with you. And and please make the most of this opportunity and come and receive prayer. Give God an opportunity in the space. Make yourself available for him to begin to, to speak into your life, to give you endurance and encouragement.